Welcome to Central Pennsylvania Voices. I'm your host, Jonah Bustinski, and today I'm joined by Mike Kubik. Mike is a longtime volunteer at Holy Family Radio, and he's one of the co-hosts of the Night Talk Show. One of our, I think it is our oldest running program here on Holy Family Radio. So welcome, Mike. Ah, well, thank you, Joseph, for letting me be here. I know that uh, you have so many interesting people on, and then you decided to shake it up a little bit and bring someone non-interesting in. But I appreciate it. And we're really happy to have you here. I think uh, a lot of people that listen to you weekly on Night Talk are probably uh, wondering, who is this guy? Uh, so why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your background, where you came from? Well, I guess I'll start right in the beginning. I was uh, born in Kentucky in a log cabin. I used to split right. Ra- oh, wait a minute. That, that's the wrong resume. That's the wrong resume. <laughs> I was born in Kentucky. Uh, I was. My uh, father was in the military. So we traveled a lot. Uh, I was the firstborn. I had a sister, Nancy, who was born right after my father came back from uh, Korea. And unfortunately, she was, she died uh, while in the hospital. And then I had another brother. I had a brother, uh, Paul. He was born in Texas because, again, we're still in the military. Mm-hmm. And then after that, uh, we moved to Schmokin. That happened when I was in sixth grade. And uh, went to Catholic school there, uh, St. Mary, uh, Blessed Virgin Mary of the Assumption, Blessed Virgin Mary School um, in Schmokin. Started there in uh, sixth grade, right in uh, the, the Christmas break. Came right mm-hmm. in after Christmas. And other than that, I went to high school, had a good time, got a little tired of, uh, I went to, started to go to school down here in the Harrisburg area and decided, it was 1968, decided to join the Marine Corps. So I went to the Marine Corps, got out of the Marine Corps, met a uh, fantastic lady. I'll tell you a little story about how I met Alexis because I think it's kind of neat. Um, my mother had extremely high blood pressure, and she died very young. She died when I was and um, I came home on emergency leave. But prior to that, uh, I was home. My mother and I went downtown, and we were downtown Shemokin, and we were walking home. And it got to the point where she just couldn't walk anymore. And there was no bus running right then, so I thought, well, I'll go run and get a cab. Well, we happened to be right next to the Transfiguration, which is the Ukrainian church, and they have a school. And Alexis Pufnock was the first grade teacher. So I happened to run into there and I, uh, I asked if I could use the phone to call a cab and did. And, uh, my sister was in first grade at the time and that was her teacher. So I got home and we got my mom home. Everything was okay. Uh, went to my sister and I said, you know, I said, I'm going overseas now. I said, oh, would you take this note to your teacher? And the note said, uh, hi, would you? Would you mind if I wrote to you? Mm-hmm. And we started writing. And uh, two and a half years later, I guess a little over two years later, we got engaged. Then we wow. got married. I got out of the service in uh, January. We got married April 22nd. And we've been together for a little over 50 years now. Going on our 51st year. And uh, I don't know how she's been able to put up with me, but thank God she has. Now you you blew right past her maiden name. I didn't. I, I, I know oh, your I'm wife. Sorry. but I, Yeah, Pufnock. What a great ethnic-sounding name. Yeah, okay. she well, Is that uh, Ukrainian? Ukrainian, Ukrainian yeah. yeah. Her uh, maternal grandmother was an Iwancio, mm-hmm. and then uh, her father, Frank, uh, was a Pufnok. But they all kind of live in the, in the town there. It mm-hmm. was, they all live in a couple blocks of each other. Wow, what a, what a great story. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> well, it just is. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you do when you got out of the military? Well, when I first got out, um, my dad was real strict. I mean, that was one thing about our family. Uh, you had to work, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, 
when you get out of the military, especially back in those days, they had a lot of programs going on. But one of the big ones was if you got out of the military, you could collect unemployment for one year and no one questioned you. You didn't have wow. to look for a job. You didn't have to do anything. Well, after about one week of collecting, my dad <laughs> says, what kind of a bum are you? Get out and find a job. <laughs> so I went and I found a job and it was at Newtown. I was working at the paper hanger, or I'm sorry, the it was a hanger factory, right, right. plastic hangers that you use at Walmart, Kmart, right. and like. And um, the bottom line was I was working third shift. Mm. I was driving from Shemokin to Ringtown, driving back, and I was making less money than I would have made on unemployment. <laughs> but it really did. It was an incentive to uh, get a job. Mm-hmm. So what happened was it was a program going along called VRA, Veterans Readjustment Act. And I got a job under that up at Toby Hanna. And they did many things for us. We used to have to meet once, I guess it was once a week. We would all meet. They would go over and see if we had any problems. Um, personally, I had a little bit of anger management problems. So there was one time where I was going to, I had an individual up against the law. And I probably would have been fired if it wasn't for the Veterans Readjustment Act. We just talked it out and, mm. and a lot of things happened. So from there, um, I took a pay grade or pay, cut and pay. Took another job because I wanted to get into uh, uh, white collar work, mm-hmm. and I was going to school at night and trying to get my degree. And I ended up doing that. Uh, talked to Alexis, and I said, "You know, we're going to be losing like a buck and a half an hour for me to take this job." But she said it was okay. We did it. Got there, turned around, and had a uh, job offer from uh, Dayton, Ohio, to be an auditor down in Richmond, Virginia. So I t- asked Alexis. I said, "How about it?" So we did that. We moved down to Richmond, made a deal with the people in Dayton that if there was ever an opportunity to come back to Pennsylvania, that they would give me to me. Mm-hmm. So what happened was we were down in Richmond for a little over five years. Um, December of 1985, they came along and they said, hey, we got an opening that we'd like you to start up here in, in Mechanicsburg. Moved up here, which made Alexis a lot happier, mm-hmm. being yeah. closer to home and mom and everyone. Um then from there, um, they started a new program up, and I had some experience testing, which I did at Toby Hanna, and I was a supervisory quality assurance specialist in Richmond and then up here in uh, Mechanicsburg. So we ended up, they needed somebody to run the lab, mm-hmm. so I got the job as a lab manager. I took that over. One of the achievements that we're pretty proud of was is we received the uh, Hammer Award during mm-hmm. the presidency of Bill Clinton and Al Gore, so... We have a hammer from Al Gore, and I have the little stick pin that I can wear. But uh, after that, I uh, worked, worked in the government until it was retirement time, retired. And uh, that was kind of it as far as jobs go. Wow. And so uh, when did you come on board here at Holy Family Radio? Uh, Eric and uh, Eric Failing and, uh, and uh, Jason Gottsman were in here with uh, Joseph, who's been here since the inception. Yes. <laughs> yes. And... Uh, Oh, what happened was, is I, 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 they cast me to come down for something. And not living far from here, it was a summer day. I walked out. Mm-hmm. And Eric, I guess, wasn't able to show up. So Jason was here. And he says, well, let's just do a show with you, Mike. So we did a show. And the next thing I know, they said, you know, we can't make it all the time. Can you come down every once in a while? And I said, sure, I'll do that. And that's how it started. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I didn't see Eric anymore. And then all of a sudden, I didn't see Jason anymore. 
And then it kind of become Joseph and I and you mm-hmm. and, and yeah. Russ yeah. when he yeah. came in. Russ and I come in once in a while to, yeah. to shake things up a little bit, but it's all it's all basically you and, and uh, Joe Murphy to do it. Well, I think what it really is, is it, it's trying to get the men out there to know how important the Knights of Columbus is. And, and, it, and it really and truly is an organization that's important to the Catholic faith. And right now, probably more so than ever. I mean, I always joke about it, but I mean, none of it's true. But if, if you look in the old days, and we're talking old days, probably like the 40s and 50s, uh, the Jewish people had so many problems with bombings and that. And they started the JDL. Mm-hmm. When the Jewish Defense League was pretty nasty, but the bombing stopped. And I always joke that we should have a militant arm in the Knights of Columbus, and I would be more than happy to, to uh, lead it up just to stop. Well, we have the berets now, right? Yeah. <laughs> but if you look at I mean, it's so – I was just looking uh, this morning. I, I saw on the news, I guess, over 275 incidents towards Catholic churches. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that that's a shame. It, it, yeah, truly it's, it gets worse every year. It, it, it is. It's, and, it's uh, a shame. And it's bad that politics have to get maxed in with religion because it's not it's not necessary. Well, you're one of the super motivated people that I've known you for a long time. What motivates you? My wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, she really does. Uh, I think uh, Alexis is, uh, I think all women. I, I don't think there's a knight or an individual, any male, that doesn't say that it's not done for his wife and or the family. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what motivates all of us. I also don't think that, uh, I think one of the advantages that I've had, I've always been able to make a decision, right or wrong. Mm. My decisions are quick. And they're not, I don't think they're uh, off the wall. I do think about it, but I don't hesitate. You know, we all make mistakes, and I've made many in my life, and some of the decisions were bad. But in the long run, God prevails, works it out, and we make out okay. I ask most of my guests on this show, to tell us something interesting about themselves that many people wouldn't know. What would you say about yourself? Boy, that's tough. Um, I, I'm kind of an open book. Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess I still uh, I still have this problem with the uh, anger management at times. <laughs> I mean, you know, when I go, same thing when I go to confession. <laughs> My father, I've uh, you know, I've yelled, I've cursed, I've screamed. I, I, I have a tendency to do that. But I think one of the advantages that I have internally as a person is. When I yell and scream, it's over. Mm-hmm. There is no hard feelings or nothing. I mean, I've been in meetings where, you know, when I get on our grand night or, or get on uh, one of the officers in the meeting or when I worked, I'd get on an employee. But it was over. It was just that moment I did not like the action. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the person. It was the action, and then it's over. Well, you had a successful career in the military and then working for the government. How do you find, define success? Uh, that's another, these are tough questions. <laughs> and, uh, I think if you're happy, when you look backward on the majority of things that you've have done, then you've, you've been successful. And with me, I think every time I've had to look back, I've realized that every moment that I had to have a major decision or that I did something that was pretty good, it was because God helped me. You know, I, uh, when I took the job with Mark Jago's administration as program director, mm-hmm. I prayed about it. And then I talked to Alexis about it. And I prayed a little bit more and I gave Mark, I told him I was going to wait two days to give him an answer. You should tell our listeners who Mark Jago is. I mean, oh, I'm I, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark Jago was a uh, past state deputy. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, right now our present state deputy is Mike Kish. One before him was Ken Google, and right before him was Mark Jago administration. 
and Mark had asked me to uh, hold the position of uh, state program director. That's a giant responsibility for those that people. Yeah, it was a that. big responsibility. Yeah. I I think uh, it was a fun thing. I I don't know if I would have accepted it any un, under anyone else other than Mark for two reasons. One thing was is. It, we converted at that point in time to faith in action mm-hmm. from surge with service. And I think it was, it was nice to be at the beginning and the start mm-hmm. of something. And it's improved tenfold from what we had at then. The other reason was Mark Jago himself, mm-hmm. uh, former military, retired military. Him Good and guy. I saw things the same way. Things are pretty black and white for me. Listen, we're going to run out of time. My enemy, the clock, is saying, look, you got to close out the first segment. I have a feeling that this is one of those shows that we should make an hour instead of a half No, 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 no. <laughs> well, listen, thank you for being with me. We're going to uh, take uh, just a, a, a short break right now. We're going to come back with Mike Akubic, one of our volunteers here at Holland Family Radio. Thank you for listening to Central Pennsylvania Voices. We'll be right back. Back to Central Pennsylvania Voices. I'm your host, Joan Abistinsky, and I'm still joined by Mikey Kubik. Mike is one of our volunteers here at Holy Family Radio and the co-host of Night Talk. So, Mike, we were right in the middle of a conversation when we had to take that break. But I wanted to ask you, uh, a lot of us have faced uh, hurdles through our life, and I'm always interested to know how uh, people face hurdles and how they overcome them. Do you have any instances of that? Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things in my life I, I, from a negative perspective. Uh, my mother died when I was overseas, and uh, it took about seven days uh, before they actually got me notified. So because of that, um, at the time, by the time I got home on emergency leave, and they mm-hmm. flew me back and all that good stuff. Um, the undertakers and everybody were really nice. What they did was they, they did the mass and everything for my mom. They took her to the grave site, but then they never buried her. They brought her back, put her in cold storage till I came there. So they let me see my mom. So I think what I was scared of was when my father passed away, and he passed away in 2001, I didn't know how I would take it because I was never there with the family to see a death. Mm-hmm. It was something that, you know, I, I knew it was over when I was in, in the military, and I just kind of, you just had to live with it. And you come back and you saw it, but I never had you know, the family around me. And I thought, what's going to happen when my father passes away? And then my brother just passed mm-hmm. away. And it was the same thing. I, I didn't know how I would feel. And I think those are the biggest, two biggest hurdles I ever had. And I had an advantage. I had Alexis. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that uh, uh, makes for a good wife, a good partner, a good friend. Uh, I don't care how you define it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, the, it's the one person that you can rely on no matter how things go. When you when your mother passed away, had she been ill? Did we expect this? Or yeah, my mom. Uh, it, it was kind of weird. Um, you know, you get one of these deals where uh, you think that you have to call, and I had called right before that, and I had asked her how she was feeling, and she said, "Oh no, I'm good. Everything's fine." And this is like two or three weeks before. And uh, but my mother always had really extremely high blood pressure, mm-hmm. and that's what she died of. Was a cerebral hemorrhage. Well, listen. Uh, that must have been a horrible experience for you to be overseas and lose your mom and then find out days later yeah. and then fly back. That that must have been <clears throat> must have been not a good experience. Yeah, I think the one thing is, you know, you, you uh you're going to mourn, you're going to weep, 
Mm-hmm. But when you're doing it all by yourself, it's, it makes it a lot different. Well, a lot of us have faced major decisions in our life that have resulted in us choosing to turn one way or another way. Have you experienced that at all in your life where you've had to, have to make a decision that's, wow, this is a, a life-changing experience? Yeah, I think, you know, I, some of the ones that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, taking a cut of a dollar and a half an hour in pay is a big decision. Mm-hmm. And uh, not knowing where it was going to end up at. Mm-hmm. Um Going to Richmond uh, was a big decision. By the same token, moving back here, um, it turned out to be the right decision. Uh, for As far as financial mm-hmm. and, and career, right? Um, it really and truly, once I became a lab manager, it was a lot different. Tell us a little bit about your faith journey. I, well, I was a cradle uh, yeah, Catholic. Catholic. Wow, that's I was weird. a cradle Catholic. <laughs> so I, I think I've always had a, a, a strong uh, faith, and, and, and I always have known that, I don't do anything. You know, God's always there for us. And I think the way that everyone should realize that is when you feel things aren't going your way, when things are really tough and when you feel you're up against the wall, and I don't care what it is, it could be family, it could be your health, it could be anything. If the first thought in your mind is, dear God, help me get through this, you've already got the faith. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how I always was. Um, now, I, I, I did make a promise one time when I was scared. And I know you're not supposed to make promises and talk to God. But I can guarantee you that from the day I got out of the military, I have never missed a Sunday. I had an operation where they actually had my neck um, with a big thing on it mm-hmm. to hold it in place. And um, Alexis and I went to church. Mm-hmm. I did sit in the back, but I have never missed Mass. I do not miss Mass. What was your faith like when you were in the military? I think it was pretty good. I, I you know, once in a while I'll do this on the show. I talk about, you know, there are times in the military you, you can't go to mass. Right. I mean, you can't. Um, when you're overseas, it's even different. When you, if you're on a ship or anything, you there aren't there aren't a lot of Catholic priests uh, servicing the Navy and that. So what happens is, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, you would have a Protestant minister. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that would be the search service. And he would bring the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with the rabbi. He would bring the Eucharist. So there was a lot of that. You, mm-hmm. But you didn't have the uh, same service. I talked a, a little bit on Night Talk about one of my friends, Roger Blair. And Roger was not Catholic. He was not Jewish. He was not Protestant. But he believed in God. And what he really believed in is, I guess, kind of where there are two or three gathered in my name. Mm-hmm. And he would go one week, he'd be going to the Jewish. <laughs> and then one week, he'd be going over to the Baptist. And one week, he'd go to the Methodist. And then sometimes he'd come with me to the Catholic Church. And that's just what he was like. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that's, yeah, I don't think I'd ever condemn him for not being Catholic or not being a Christian. But I think he was, he believed in God. What was the faith like of your your other the other people you were with in the military? Was it would you say that the people had faith or they didn't? What was it like in those days? Yeah, there's no atheists in the foxhole. <laughs> I, I guarantee you that. No, I think uh, I think everybody was pretty much you know either strong religious conviction mm-hmm. um, or what we had total atheists. Mm-hmm. But uh, you had a lot of people that were like Roger mm-hmm. that just believed in a supreme being and knowing that uh, if. There are more people praying to the supreme than one. Mm-hmm. It's going to be heard. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Tell us a little bit about your parish. You're, I know you're active in your parish and your your Knights Council there. Yeah, I you know I really like St. Joseph's. I think it's one of the natural. I think it's one of the best churches around. St. <laughs> Joseph in Mechanicsburg. Yeah, in Mechanicsburg. Yes, and uh, we have Father Roswell. We have Father Roth. We have Deacon Acker. We have um, we have real great staff. 
Uh, Brenda's been there a long time. Uh, matter of fact, after this show, I have to go speak to Dave Marcico because we're talking a little bit about what we're going to uh, try to do for fundraising efforts for the Knights. Um, I think one of the things that I'm proudest about with the Knights of Columbus at St. Joe's is, is the close relationship to, to our pastor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that means if there's a close relationship to the pastor, there's a close relationship to all the members of the parish. Now, there is a disappointment. I think we have roughly 220 nights. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have 1,700 families, you kind of think, where are the other 1,500 mm-hmm. men? And out of those nights, how many of them are active? Yes. Right? Yeah. And, and, and you always have that. I, you know, to be honest with you, though, I think, uh, I, I think the kind of night that I appreciate isn't necessarily the night that's there at every function because it's hard to be. You owe it to your family to be with them, especially a younger night. But I think what I do like to see is, is that if you turn around and you have person A and John, John's at every function he can be at. And then this one time, John just can't make it. Then you have the brother that hasn't made done anything maybe for four years. Say, you know what? I can make it for John that time. That's that's the fraternity part of the Knights of Columbus, and I think that's important. Yeah, that's how sometimes we get more people involved in. I mean, yeah, that maybe he'll step up, and then the next time. He's more willing then, because you know that that thing that he did to fill in, it wasn't that bad. It didn't no. take that much time. It was fun. It was fraternal, right? Yeah, and I think that's uh, I think that's the thing that you try to get across to everybody. You know, people say, "Well, I can't become a member of the Knights, or I can't do this, or I can't." It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, it's a good excuse, but I can't do it because I have a family. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you can do it mm-hmm. because what you could do is how about how about the free throw? You have right. a nine year old son, bring him. Nine year old daughter, bring him. Right, and, and you can be there with them. Yeah, we're doing, we're, we're right in the midst of that right yes. now. So it, it's exactly, exactly right. It's a time to get, that's a great way to get younger, younger guys. It really is. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, you think about it. How about a, a fish fry? Mm-hmm. Okay. You're going to do the fish fry. Well, bring the family out to eat at the fish fry and then tell your son and daughter or your wife and say, um, sit here for just an extra 10 minutes because I'm going to help them clean up. Yeah. Yeah. So my other question I always ask people are, what lessons have you learned in your career and your faith experience? I mean, you're wise. Uh, I don't like to say you're old, but you, you are mature and you have a lot of wisdom when you come in here. Yeah, I know. Next year, <laughs> next year I'll be alive three quarters of a century. <laughs> and when you look at it that way, it really makes it, well, my goodness. Uh, I, think, I think if you just live your life uh, to the best that you can, you're always going to have God presence mm-hmm. because I don't think you can can do anything without him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's the, the the smallest thing to the largest. I don't know of anybody who doesn't say a prayer just to think, I, I just don't know what to do. I'm totally confused. I don't know what I should do. And you say a little prayer and something pops into your head. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think the Holy Spirit works in so many mysterious ways. There's so many times that even coming in here to the show, we have no idea what we're going to talk about <laughs> on Night Talk. And then all of a sudden, the three of us get together, the four of us, and it just comes, mm-hmm. and it ends up being a good show because we know the Holy Spirit's leading. It ain't got That's nothing to do with it has us. Nothing to do with us. Yeah, yeah. That that is a good point. I know uh, one of the things that you that you said. Um, you know, we talk about our our faith, and I think that that's something that we as Catholics we 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 take it for granted sometimes. And for us right now, we live in a time where we have. Much better technology. I mean, between the you know we have the radio station, mm-hmm. we have we have all kinds of apps we have on our phone. You know, obviously our 
Holy Family Radio app. Yes, there let's, are, let's plug that too. one. It's a good one. It is a good one. <laughs> but there are others, too, and we have so much better technology. We have all the resources of EWTN and National Catholic Ridge, all, all those kinds of things that generations ago didn't have. So I think we are an advantage compared to people even a generation ago uh, as far as trying to learn about our faith and have a deeper relationship with God. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think that's true, and I also think the inverse is also true. Because of technology, we have more outside distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why it's so important for parents today to lead their children to the faith first, because they're going to get bombarded with all of the outside distractions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's... You know, I remember when I was a little boy and you'd go look for stag magazines or, you know, the motorcycle magazine, you'd see a girl in a bikini. There is nothing like that. Today. Now it's on their phones. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's a lot more detailed and a lot, uh, a lot less spiritual, a lot less good for our soul. Listen, do you have a favorite saint or Catholic figure? I think I've always had St. Michael. I, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I always thought he was my guardian angel. <laughs> I was never thinking. He might be doing double duty. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 he might be just because it's me. You know, feel boy, this guy needs it. Yeah. But yeah, I've always kind of uh, looked at that, and I think uh, I think even you know when we say our prayer before night talk, I think that's one of the reasons why. Do you have a number one takeaway? Because we're going to run out of time. Number one takeaway you like our listeners to leave. Number one takeaway is is that I believe in in, in my heart of hearts, whether I'm here or not, this radio station is important because it's important for the evangelization of our faith. And if nothing else, I, I wish people would listen to the shows, enjoy the shows, pray with the shows, and, um, and I think it'd make us all a better group of people. Thank you so much. Mike Kubik, one of our number one uh, volunteers here at Holy Family Radio and co-host of Night Talk. Thank you for being with us today on Central Pennsylvania Voices. Thank you for scraping the bottom of the barrel and asking me. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Holy Family Radio and Central Pennsylvania Voices. Keep listening. We'll be back again next time. God bless.